The Pro Act know-how. Today, we're looking at uh, EU residency post-Brexit in the current series. We're going to be following that through right through to the end of the year. But what we're looking at today is just to look at it from a, a tax return perspective, about uh, looking at a bit, bit more detail about the distinction between residents and tax residents. Uh, you can be resident in a country without being tax resident. You can be tax resident in a country um, without spending that much time there. Um, so there is a definition and that depends on lots of different factors, including uh, your home country, where you were last tax resident uh, and, and where you're working. Uh, we've got a, a, a download that you can get from our website at productpartnership.com which sort of shows the, the decision-making when there's um, a dispute between two tax officers about who should be taking all the tax. Um, but let's see in, in that context. And let's see in the context of the EU and the EU post-Brexit. Uh, obviously, we see there's a lot going on in the UK as they try to establish a post-COVID, post-Brexit strategy uh, for expats and, and, and taxation but also within the EU as well. Uh, legislation was introduced in uh, and applied post-Brexit uh, to tighten up on uh, EU residency and Schengen zone rules um, and, and how those affect the ability to be resident and, and tax resident abroad. So let, let's start by looking at what is tax residence. Tax residence is if you are um, living in a country for more than six months in their tax year. Um, now, it's not a grey area. You, you're either living in that country for one, eight, three days or, or you're not. There are some exceptions. So obviously, if you're a student, uh, your situation might be different. Um, but generally, um, the... Um, if, if you're living there for more than six months in a year, then you're going to be tax resident. You may have no income. Uh, you may be working, working uh, remotely. You may be working uh, locally. Um, you, you may just have investment income. You may be retired. But whatever your status is, then you will have a, that liability locally. Um, you could be resident. So if you've got a holiday home in, in different jurisdictions, you can be resident in that, in that uh, place uh, for less than six months uh, in a year without being tax resident. And this is where the Schengen zone complicates it. So you, uh, internationally, you can travel for 90 days without a visa, uh, without a... Uh, uh, on short business or holiday trips. Uh, you may need a visa for, for some of those countries, but generally that, that is generally allowed. It's only once you go over the 90 days that uh, residency visas become more of a concern, but the tax residence kicks in uh, after six months, and that's by a different set of rules, and it is or can be automatic. So if you spend more than six months in a country, then you're going to have a, a tax liability there. 
Let's have a look at whether you need to do a tax return in a jurisdiction. So if you spent more than six months in a country and, and you should be tax resident, do you need to do a tax return? Well, not necessarily. Some countries will automatically deem you tax resident after six months and require a tax return to be submitted. Other countries, even if you are tax resident, don't necessarily require you to complete a tax return <laughs> depending upon your, your circumstance. So there could be special rules under your residency visa um, that means your, your work is an ex expatriate to that country and the special uh, remittance rules that apply. Uh, even so, you might still need to be able to complete that return. You may have no relevant income for that jurisdiction, um, but it, in that case, um, you may not need to complete a return, but you may still be required to complete that nil return. Um, so there's essentially three rules. You can be deemed to be tax resident and, re and required to fill out a tax return, or you can be conditional rules that require you to complete a tax return uh, and, and, and do that automatically. Have in mind that as exchange of information goes on around the world, uh, more and more the tax authorities allow, are able to collate the, the tax data uh, automatically into their systems to self-assess you, uh, for them to assess you for your tax. So the tax authorities can assess your income from different sources. Let's have a look at a bit more now about uh, what the EU and tax residence means. The EU is not a sovereign state. It, it, it's a, a coming together of a number of different countries and they have some common rules on social insurance, residency and freedom of movement. However, tax, is, is an individual sovereign country's uh, requirements, as is the residency rules. So each country, even within the EU, can have its own requirements and its own particulars for establishing a residence and a tax residence, uh, how much tax they charge and, um, and where they charge it and who they charge it to and if they need to do a tax return. So there's no common EU rule on that. There's common rules on residency and uh, there's common rules in that uh, under EU law, uh, an EU tax resident should not be discriminated against. So they, if an EU expat becomes resident in another country, they should have equal rights to benefits, allowances uh, and, and, and healthcare and social insurance rights as well. They should not be discriminated against subject to local rules. So the EU cre creates a level playing field subject to the local rules, um, the, so the local requirements for tax returns um, and the local rules for uh, residency and residency permits. Uh, so generally the EU uh, rules um, require even EU expats to have a residency permit in that country. That, that is allowed um, um, without becoming a tax resident. So um, but that, that residency certificate allows you to then um, overcome some of the Schengen zone restrictions. 
So if you've got a residency permit in a country, then you're not necessarily going to be subject to the same um, restrictions on the 90 days in 180 that, that you would be. If you're traveling uh, and working and living in the EU under the EU Schengen visa, uh, then you're only allowed 90 days in 180 in, in, that, in that country. So in which case, to, to get the freedom of movement throughout the whole year, then you do need to do something extra vis-a-vis -vis your, your, your tax status. Um, <clears throat> under exchange of with um, sometimes a tax authority or financial authority or pension house will require you to produce a tax certificate to verify your tax residence uh, and this is is um, an allowed requirement within the EU. So a, a tax uh, authority from one country um, where you're resident as an EU citizen can require you to have uh, a tax certificate from your country of tax resident. So if you're German and you're living in Spain with your residency and your residency permit, the local tax authorities or, or, or visa authorities could require you to uh, validate your the fact that you're not tax resident in, in in Spain by producing a tax residency certificate in in the um, in in Germany, uh, and that could apply to any country. And it's not just limited to the EU, but it could be outside the EU as well. So <clears throat> a, a tax certificate again, it depends upon each individual country. So some are quite easy to get, an online process, others are, are more complicated. But essentially, um, if you've got a tax residency and you're filing your tax returns in that country, um, then they should be able to provide you a certificate to say that you've uh, got that tax return completed and you've got your tax residency status is maintained. So Denmark would, would require a, a Danish citizen living and working abroad EU uh, to provide proof that they are tax residents in that in that other jurisdiction. Um, it, it, it could require additional information so it's not just a question of, of showing your tax returns it can require additional validation and certificate. That type of tax certificate from your from your local tax residency. If you need help and guidance getting that, you can ask us at Project Partnership uh, to help you, and and we can get that tax certification uh, for your for your resident country uh, to avoid that double taxation scenario. So let's go a bit more now to look at how uh, the double taxation treaties work. Uh, so you've got freedom of movement. And, and your tax resident for more than six months. But how does a double taxation treaty work? It doesn't mean that you pay double taxation. It's actually a, a method to allow you to uh, not pay more tax than you should do. And so the double tax, um, <clears throat> you start off with the domicile, uh, which is your home country, and, and that is your default country of tax residence. Um, with um, 
with that can come citizenship, but you can be a citizen of a country without being domiciled in that country. And so if you've got a, a dual citizenship between two countries, it doesn't mean that you have to be tax resident in both countries. And if there was a, a big argument, then one of the default decisions that could be made would be, it would be your country of domicile, your country of origin that, that would provide that, that tax assessment. If you maintain a tax residence, uh, then that's not going to be uh, an issue, but you may have to provide that tax certificate, as we said in, in earlier, uh, to validate um, that you, you're not um, eligible to be taxed in your country of citizenship or your home country or, or one of your countries of citizenship. <clears throat> even, even so, uh, so let, let's take the example then. So you could have um, uh, income arising on a holiday home in, in Spain and you could be paying in round figures, say a 20% tax rate in Spain. If you are a 40% taxpayer in the UK, then under the double taxation treaty, Spain is entitled to, to keep their 20% on that uh, income sourced um, as, a, as a fixed income in Spain. But the UK, if you're a tax resident in the UK, are entitled to their highest rate of tax. So uh, you pay 20% in Spain, you pay another 20% in the UK, but that, that, that would be all. Um, if you're a tax resident in the UK and you declare um, it, your, your income from your Spanish property rental in the UK tax return and pay 40% tax, you don't have any more tax to pay in Spain because under the double taxation treaty, if that's properly declared, um, uh, UK will pay to Spain their 20% share of the tax. So the governments often sort it out between themselves. So if the double taxation treaty works, as long as you declare it on one of the returns and identify the source of the income, the tax authorities will sort it out between them. If you don't declare it properly on your expat tax return, then you, you could find out a scenario where you've got an investigation uh, by one country or the other, uh, where you need to show proof of the tax return and the tax certification, which then allows the two tax authorities to link up and make sure they get their share of whatever relevant income is from a, a, a fixed or an earned income in the other jurisdiction or income that's due to them as, as, a, as a domicile or home country. Um, wherever your current tax residency is, that won't change unless the circumstances change. So just to have in mind on that, that um, if you're tax resident in one country, but you're resident and traveling around, your tax residency will remain in your last place of residence until it changes under some sort of circumstance. So the double taxation treaty, does exactly what it says on the tin. It makes sure you don't pay double taxation, but it makes sure both the two countries get their share of the tax. Um, more importantly, if there isn't a double taxation treaty between your country of tax residence and your home country, then you'd be liable to tax um, 
uh, uh, in your country of tax residence. Okay, so if an expat leaves the UK or leaves an EU country to go and live in a country where there is no double taxation treaty, um, they will still be paying tax in in their last country of tax residence or their home country. So let's think a, a, a bit more about the double taxation treaty, how it can work. Uh, there is an international standard for double taxation treaties. However, there are variables within that. Um, there's essentially two types of income and capital gains. One type move with you, the other type doesn't. So they're either movable or immovable. So when you go expat, your income, um, certain types of income can move with you. Um, however, if you're earning your income from an employment in the UK or uh, in Portugal, that that income will be fixed there. That will be fixed there, you know, indefinitely. So an employer in the UK will still be charging you pay as you earn on if you're doing that work, even if you're doing it remotely, uh, unless you establish a tax residence and then establish a way of getting that income paid. More about that later. So where, where is the income arising? So if it's something like a bank account or a savings interest, that interest moves with you. So the interest is not taxed where it's sourced generally, it's taxed where, where you are tax resident. Uh, so if you've got a, a, a holding company or a, a, your tax in, in, an, in a, an, an, a third country overseas, that's where you'll pay that tax. So for example, with Cyprus, interest and dividends for uh, contract workers um, uh, expat non-DOMs are taxed at zero percent uh, but in other jurisdictions like uh, Romania or the UK uh, not remitted income for non-DOMs could, could be taxed um, uh, only on a remittance basis so they don't get taxed on that overseas income anyway and um, the two different ways of working and they're slightly different so <clears throat> some income moves with you uh, some gains can, but generally the gain is the liability uh, where, where it arises. So if you've got a, a capital asset in, in the USA or in Italy and, and that's disposed of, that capital gain will arise there, which is the one thing. Um, and it may or may not be taxed there. Um, in your, under the double taxation treaty, um, it may allow your home country to still make that tax, or it may not. So the double taxation treaty is tying you as an individual uh, with your country of tax residence. So your domicile, your home country, um, and sources of the income are tied through the double taxation treaty and the exchange of information that goes on between the two uh, jurisdictions. So... <clears throat> Some types of income are movable and they will be taxed in your country of tax residence. Uh, some type of gains are fixed, some types of income are fixed and will be taxed in the country in which they arise. But under the double taxation treaty, you won't pay 
more than the highest rate of tax. So if uh, uh, your country of tax taxes you at, at 10% and you pay 20% tax at source, you will not pay any more tax. However, <clears throat> if, if you paid 10% uh, tax at source and your, your country of tax charges 20%, you'll pay that extra 10%. For more information and guidance, on your tax residency status, we can offer this advice and guidance to you online using our, our retained client service. Uh, we get a, a product client account and, and we, we can advise you uh, specifically on your circumstances online, um, as well as having consultant reviews um, uh, as we go along. Uh, for our annual tax clients, um, we provide a fully comprehensive service, which includes uh, tax certification as well as assessments. So, when there's a dispute with the double taxation treaty, this is where this decision tree comes in. It's where is your permanent home? Where is your economic interest? Where do you habitually stay? Uh, and and um, and, and, and what is your domicile? What is your uh, country of origin, your nationality? These are the questions that are asked. So uh, you, you cannot be, um, uh, there's some people in the past got caught out in the UK because they've tried to live in, in Monaco or Andorra or a Caribbean island uh, filled with sun, sea and sand. Um, and to, to while well, running a business in the UK. So the, the, the added constraint that they have is that if your business and your earnings are still in the UK uh, and you maintain a permanent home in the UK and you're literally traveling to the UK often, even if it's for less than one eight three days, the UK could still assess you as being a tax resident in the UK, depending upon your circumstances. Um, we, we talked about um, earlier about employment. Now, post-COVID, post-Brexit, remote working is more attractive. You can work from home in the same town, or or you can or you can work um, across border, which can be very attractive, uh, depending upon the location. Um, whether you like the cold, the mountains, the lake views, or or the Mediterranean uh, perspective. Um, there's lots of there's lots of different issues that can do that. We've just got a question that's come in. Let me just break off. Um, it's about UK domicile status. Um, good morning, Rao. But um, someone's asked about. Uh, UK domicile status. So let me break off to that and then I'll come back to the other topic. In the UK, expats relocating to the UK have uh, got the option to use the non-domicile rules. That means that they only pay tax on a remittance basis. They only pay tax on a remittance basis. Now, if they do that, they lose their personal allowances going in. Uh, but that can be quite attractive if you've got 100,000 of dividends coming from overseas or earnings from overseas, um, or investment income from overseas, or, or a big capital gain. So you can be a tax resident in the UK, 
at a non-DOM, and if you don't remit that income, um, then you don't pay UK tax on it. So that can be a very advantageous tax position for expats that are non-DOM living and working in the UK. Now, even if you're a tax resident, so there's a difference between residents, tax residents and, and domicile residents. Um, now, for the first seven years, that non-DOM won't have any tax liability. After six years in the UK uh, claiming uh, non-DOM status, there is an automatic £30,000 uh, a year uh, tax to pay. It's just a flat rate. So obviously, if you would be paying tax at 40% on 100000 that 30000 could still be um, uh, uh, cost-effective for you to pay. Uh, but if your income is 50000 then that 30000 is not going to be cost-effective. So for, for higher... Um, expats that are non-DOM living in the UK with higher incomes, um, 100,000, 200,000, a million, two million, um, paying the 30,000 flat rate a year can be very uh, cost effective. Uh, but after 15 years as a non-DOM in the UK, uh, as a tax resident in the UK, but non-DOM, after 15 tax years, the UK will then deem you domicile. Uh, in, in in the UK. Now that's 15 out of 19 years, not 15 out of 20, it's 15 out of 19 years. They, they tend to trim it back because they're, they're trying to count it on tax years. So although it's 15 in, in 20, um, they say 19 because it's 19 tax years. So that's the distinction and uh, makes it, cuts a year off by using that rules. So if over 19 years, as an expat, you have spent uh, time abroad and not tax residents in the UK, then you can extend that period. So it could be a period of 19 years where you're non-domicile. Non um, if you've spent five years abroad in, in another country as a tax resident in another country, uh, but if you spend 15 years continuously in the UK after 15 years, and don't forget you're a tax resident, uh, so any local earnings in the UK will have been taxed during that 15 years, and you, by, by the time you get over 7 to 15 years, you're paying the 30,000 a year. So you're known to the tax authorities. They're going to deem you to be domiciled, and therefore they will tax you on your worldwide earnings. So it, it's 15 tax years in the last nine, 19, for an expat that's non-dom in the UK can use the non-domicile non remittance rules for overseas income and only be taxed in the UK on UK arising income, uh, noting that they lose their personal allowances. So let, let's go back um, and, and, and just look at the, the definition there where we're looking at um, how the a dispute in terms of a, any tax dispute, whether it's a domicile issue or a where where is your tax residency issue. So if you've got a dual taxation issue, you could end up paying tax in both jurisdictions, uh, a bit here, a bit there, um, but it, it can be sorted out. You still possibly can get away with doing one tax return that would clear it in, in the other country, as long as it's fully declared 
on the tax return that you've done. However, the other EU country or the other uh, country where there's income arising uh, may, may require that tax certificate for you. And the determination upon which is your tax residence country it is made um, using uh, a, a tie-breaking formula, which is common to most of our taxation treaties. So if it's not clear to the tax authorities which country your 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 ta tax wasn't in, or who which country should have first bite at the tax, um, then the rules of decision making are they look at where your permanent home is. Okay, uh, so uh, your permanent home is is where you live. Um, even if you're traveling, you could have a permanent home in one country and be traveling elsewhere. If you want an EU residency permit, uh, a residency visa as an EU expat, before you get a tax, you have to have a permanent home. You have to be able to demonstrate that you've got that permanent home in that country. Um, where is your economic interest? So you can have investments overseas, whether they're property or business. Um, um, but where are you earning your income? Um, so again, that, that's something that you need to resolve. Um, if, if you're an employee of a UK company, for example, um, but you want to work remotely in an EU country, you can do that and, and get that work permit depending upon the local rules. So a country like Cyprus are very happy for you to come and live and work in that country. But, uh, or Spain, Italy, but you have to, while carrying out that employment for that country overseas, you then have to pay the equivalent social insurance in your EU country of tax residence. Okay, so an important point there. Um, you can't continue indefinitely to pay tax and national insurance or claiming to be a tax resident in a second country. Um, even if you're carrying out that economic activity and try to remain tax resident in the UK, that's technically illegal. So you're, you're tax resident in your, uh, by becoming tax resident in another country, uh, they would then require you to declare your worldwide income in, in that. And your uh, employment should be taxed in the local country. What that would mean for a UK company or any company would then have to establish a branch office in the country where you're working. They may or may not want to do that. So the workaround that we do for clients is that we establish as a sole contract country. And so uh, actually in some countries like Cyprus, working as a personal service company uh, as a contractor is very, very tax efficient. You avoid the constraints of IR35, which effectively enforce for small personal service companies uh, working under pay-as-you-earn taxation laws. Um, you can work as a contractor and, and, and get the, the tax savings and benefits from that while still remaining fully, fully legal on that. Um, so a, a contractor, uh, if you're working remotely uh, for a UK employer and, you, and it's your one decision to work remotely, then um, what how you would do it is change your contract to a, a contractor arrangement and become a self-employed contract in that local jurisdiction, which would then allow you to pay the social insurance, national insurance, 
uh, and taxes for your tax residency or living or working abroad. If you're nomad and you're working three months here, three months there, three months other, um, you should still pay tax in your country of tax residence. Now that might mean a zero tax, but if you don't have uh, a tax return at some point, then at some point you're going to have this liability that's, that could potentially catch up with you. Exchange of information has been in place since 2016. So there's every chance that at some point in the future, there could be a day of reckoning if you don't keep accurate tax records as you go along. For more information and guidance on exchange of information, how it could impact you, you your business as a contractor, or your overseas business or, or your family's tax situation, contact us at productpartnership.com. Um, if you go to expat, but then keep tripping back in, uh, that habitual going back in. So if you've got a business back in your home country and you keep visiting once a month or once a week or once every two weeks to see how things are going, um, the, the, the home country might say, well, no, you're visiting the business once a week, once a month. You're habitually still operating that business just remotely. So you still have to be taxed uh, locally. Um, and you know, the um, tax authorities would, would resolve that between themselves, looking at your permanent home and your economic interests. But if you're coming uh, to work regularly in the UK for an existing business, um, and staying in your home in the UK, there's a fairly strong case for the UK to keep hold of you, even though you think you're expat um, for 80% of your time in your overseas location. Um, and as I say, with nomads and with uh, remote workers, if you don't have a country of tax residence, um, then any investment, any bank, any property rental, uh, or property ownership status can lead to a, a tax clause where it's been investigated and the default tax will resort to your country of domicile, your country of origin, your country of nationality, or the last country where you were tax resident. So the records are there. And what you don't want is a tax checkup 20 years later uh, where you could lose a third of your wealth from the previous um, uh, uh, that you previously built up over, the, over your working career. So the last part of this, I'm just going to, we've got no more questions that come online at the moment. I hope we answered your question there, uh, Anusha. For the last part, um, I want to just big up um, expat residents for Cyprus. Now, personal service companies with IL35 rules get a get a harsh treatment in the UK if you're used to working in your very small business. Um, but there's also capital gains. Um, while you can get some entrepreneur relief, there's still capital gains that can apply on disposal of business and business assets. In Cyprus, um, capital gains on business disposals and investment disposals is zero. Uh, a non-dom working as a, a personal service contractor, remote working, can pay zero tax on dividends and interest earned from their, uh, from their 
interest from the intangible assets owned by their businesses or, or from um, the uh, licenses that, they, that they, they issue out, as well as from uh, dividends that they receive. So if you've accumulated capital in a business and, and your private company can still make those dividend distributions as a Cyprus tax resident, you can pay zero tax on that, 100, 200, 300,000 a year. Um, the interesting thing for remote workers in Cyprus is twofold. Um, are if you do have a contract in an overseas country, um, uh, which has got a, a zero tax rate, um, then as long as that contract is more than 90 days, then you, you only pay tax on, a, on local Cyprus income. So uh, contract workers who work overseas in, uh, on short or longer term contracts, um, whether it's oil exploration or just in the Middle East for three, six month contracts. If you're Cyprus based, as long as you've got contracts which are more than 90 days remote working during a year, you're only taxed on, on local Cyprus income. So you could earn your 300,000 a year contract overseas and not be paying that 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 tax um, in, in your country of tax resident, uh, Cyprus. If if your country where you're working is not taxing you at source because of special visa uh, or industry regulations, or be just because it's a zero tax zone, then this enables you to have a legitimate uh, double taxation treaty country. Cyprus has lots of double taxation treaties. Um, to allow you to declare zero percent tax and hence have no repercussions to your country of domicile and your, your home country works very well it also works very well on the 60-day rule so some uh, expats want the flexibility to be uh, remote working and nomad working and, and cyprus only requires you to be resident for 60 days a year now a tax resident uh, under uh, international law still requires you to have a permanent home and, and a local base so you have to pay social insurance locally and you have to have a, a permanent home locally but if you establish that base uh, in cyprus you only have to be resident in country for 60 days a year so whether you're doing long-term contracts uh, overseas uh, you only have to be back in cyprus for 60 days now, the good thing about that is that means that you, you can do the contract in a zero tax contract um, and only be in Cyprus for 60 days. Your family can be based in Cyprus the whole year round. You're earning your money remotely. Uh, it's zero tax uh, for, for that expat or for that nomad or for that remote worker. If you're moving around, uh, it just means that you've got to spend two, two to three months a year in Cyprus. Um, to retain uh, a Cyprus tax residency where you could earn 0% tax, and you could pay 0% tax on those dividends. So Cyprus, 60-day uh, and 90-day rules for expats that are, are working outside Cyprus or working remotely or, or as a nomad traveling can be very, very cost-effective for that. Uh, you've established a permanent home in Cyprus. Uh, you've got your a vital interest there in that your family your home 
your business is based in Cyprus um, and you're coming back each year to Cyprus. Uh, and therefore, it never comes down to a question of what is your uh, domicile, what was your previous tax residence, what is your your uh, domicile. So you've got that freedom to be a tax resident in, in that jurisdiction. If you want more information and guidance on that, contact us at productpartnership.com. Okay, if you want to see a bit more detail, you can look at our YouTube channel and and um, uh, watch again through the playlist to find out a, a, a bit more in depth on different issues uh, at different times. Um, so what we've looked at today is um, we're looking at, in this series, EU residency for post-Brexit for UK and EU expats, as well as what the EU referred to as third country expats. Uh, what, what is the implication for residents and tax residents? So in the EU, residence is, is required if you're staying in a country for more than 90 days. Um, tax residence becomes uh, an issue only if you spend more than six months in the year in that country. The Schengen zone, only allows you to spend 90 days um, in, in uh, a country during any six month period. But a tax certificate uh, to show your tax residency within the EU would allow you more freedom of residence over longer periods of time in those different jurisdictions. Uh, double taxation means that you're not gonna pay tax twice but you could potentially pay your highest rate of tax so if your tax residency uh, whether at home or, or your overseas expat tax residency is higher than the source tax you will pay a balance if your overseas source income is lower than your tax residence then you'll still pay the source but you won't pay any more uh, with countries like like cyprus um, and other countries around the EU, you can pay tax on a, a remitted basis only in certain circumstances, as long as you maintain a tax residence in some countries by being resident for more than six months. Or uh, in other countries, you can be more flexible as long as you're in the country for, for 90 days during the year. Um, the EU tax uh, system uh, EU is not the taxing authority. The individual sovereign countries are under international tax rules. However, under EU rules, uh, equal treatment, non-discrimination means that uh, any expat living and working in another EU country must not be discriminated against for any income or capital um, uh, or benefits or allowances or deductions. So you may have to claim full allowances as if you were local. Uh, for your tax return. There's been a comprehensive roundup. Uh, watch more in this series and uh, follow us. And if we can give you help, uh, do have uh, a retained client service. You can uh, co contact us at productpartnership.co.uk. Uh, subscribe. We're available all year round to give expats online advice and guidance for their tax and residency status uh, in the EU and around the world um, using our consultants and our products know-how. Uh, I hope you found that interesting and value and we look forward to seeing you again next time. 
Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Living and Working Abroad channel, and, and share it with your friends. The ProAct Know-How, brought to you by ProAct.